If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, the, the 19th Psalm. So Psalm 19, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can go grab one off the back of the sides of the tech booth there. Feel free to go uh, just take one if you need to borrow it. That's great. If you need to take it with you because you don't have a copy that you can read and understand, that's also great. It's our gift to you. If you're a user of the Bible app, you can uh, open that up right now and find our live event. And you can communicate with us through that, but also you can uh, just track along with the sermon and the scriptures, the notes, all of that kind of stuff. It's all there, okay? All of that is there. Uh, before we um, open the Bible and, and get into it, we like to stop and pray and ask for God's help because uh, this, uh, this is not a speech that's about to happen. It's a spiritual event, uh, not because I'm so awesome, but because God speaks through his word, just like we sang about. So let's pray and ask for his help and understanding. Okay, uh, Father, we're here, and um, we do pray that the word of God would speak to us. Uh, like your disciples said to Jesus, you alone, where, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Where, where else would we go? There's not a person saying the kinds of things that we need to hear. And so I pray, Father, that today, that by your word, through the power of your spirit and in the name of Jesus, that you would go to work on us in ways that we need to in ways that we need you to work on us. So uh, please, Father, build into us, tear out of us, uh, um, uh, heal us, convict us, whatever we need today, wherever we are and whatever we need. I pray, God, that you would give us what we need through the ministry of your word. Even as we um, engage specifically with that topic today, I pray that you would make us greater lovers of your word because of our time in it. What we don't want to be is the same. And so, um, unleash it on us. Uh, and to that end, Father, with clarity and with power, come and speak to your people. Do what no person in here could do in their own power. Would you bring the kingdom and just set it down right on top of us? And to that end, we commit ourselves now, position ourselves, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Okay, Psalm 19. Now, a uh, couple of things here as we kind of get started. Uh, we're in a, a series um, kind of explaining and giving some shape to, giving some articulation to uh, who we are as a church. And um, uh, we, we are in, under this banner. We're kind of living under the umbrella, so to speak, of go live. Like we would be people who go and live. We would be people who do that because there's a world out there that desperately needs to know that there are people who've been changed by the power of Jesus. There's a world out there that desperately needs to be reached. And so we go. It's not a matter of us saying, oh, well, when they're getting interested, they'll come to us. No, 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 no. We get to go. That's one of the commands of Jesus is that we would actually go and do these things. And then we get to go live. It's not a matter of us asking bad people to become good, but we speak words of life like we just sang about. And so we get to go help people change from being spiritually dead and separated from God to alive, spiritually connected to God and in right relationship with Him. We go live. And our weeks are different and our worlds are different because we have been charged by God to go live. So uh, in light of that, the, if you will, the, the statement that we have uh, uh, let give us expression, that has given us uh, this kind of expression, it goes like this, that we make apprentices to Jesus Christ, who live. And don't miss that, who live. This is what we do. This is life for us. 
who live to pursue God and love well and serve the world. That's who we are. And so we've been breaking it down kind of in our DNA. If that's, if that's our statement of go live, um, what, what, what makes it uniquely us? And the first part we talked about last week is gospel transformation, that we would be changed forever and every day by the gospel, the good news that Jesus has fulfilled the law for us, has died to f- purchase the forgiveness of our sins, has risen to give us new life uh, in him, and, and is reigning right now victoriously at the right hand of God, that we are changed by that. And that is not a one-time event from which we then move on, but it instead is the event into which we consistently dive. It's the well from which we draw life over and over and over again, and that changes us from the inside out. Um, our focus, if you will, is not necessarily on the change itself. As much as it is, our focus is on Jesus, and as we focus on Jesus, what happens to us? We change because we always become like that which we behold. And so if you uh, were here last week or if you need kind of a summary in terms of gospel transformation, the thing that we said last week goes like this, um, that God doesn't want us to merely obey. He wants to transform us into the kinds of people who normally obey. And there's a huge difference because mere obedience, a lot of people could do. But the kind of transformation that God wants to bring in our lives requires of us a kind of distinct and sustained focus on Him as He changes us. We really do get different on the inside. We really are remade on the inside. We really are transformed as we live in relationship with Him. That's gospel transformation. This week we're picking up now, this, this idea, this, this part of our DNA as a church family, that we are saturated with the Scripture. I don't know if you've noticed this a lot, but we care a lot about what the Bible says. And so we study it in here. We preach through entire books of the Bible in here consistently. Uh, we study it um, in, in our small groups, we, in, in other places. We're encouraging you, and in fact, I'll do it here at the end of the sermon, to open it yourselves and read it. We want to be a people saturated with the Bible. Now, I almost did this as a visual, but then I thought better. Um, but... To, to bring in a, a bucket full of, of vinegar with blue dye and then soak a sponge in it. Now, so if I had a bucket, can everybody just picture this with me? Well, number one, you can see why I wouldn't do that because this could go wrong about 12 different ways. You with me? But if you can picture with me a bucket uh, with a blue dye and vinegar in here and we take a sponge, right? And we soak it down in that vinegar and blue dye. There are two things that are going to be true. Number one, that sponge is going to do what? It's going to turn colors. And secondly, when you pull it up out of the solution, what's going to be also true? It's going to stink, right? More than that, if you set it out in the parking lot and let it dry and picked it up a month from now, you know what two things would be true? One, it would be tinged with color. And secondly, it would still stink. Or to say it positively, the aroma would still be with it. And in that way, what I I think God has uniquely said to us, and and it's kind of uniquely calling us to, is something like this, that we would be so soaked in, so saturated with the Scripture, that even if we got set out and dried out, that we would be tinged with a kind of color and still have the aroma of the kingdom of God on our lives, that somebody could see and somebody could smell it. And if we get pulled out and we kind of get squeezed on one end, that that stuff comes flowing out of us. Anybody get squeezed this week? 
that the, the Bible, if you will, would come flowing out of us because we've been saturated with the Scripture. My absolute favorite passage um, about the Bible is Psalm 19, and we're going to start in verse 7. Uh, and read down to verse 9, and then we'll pause, and we'll pick up a couple of verses after that towards the end of the sermon. Here we go, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, or restoring, maybe some of you have the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules, or some of you may have the ordinances of the Lord, are true, and they are righteous all together. So the question on the table is, is why be saturated and kind of with what? And so this is what we're talking about today, is being saturated with the Scripture. And we're going to start with saturated, first of all, with its content. What is the content of the Bible that saturates us? The, the psalmist used six different words here. It's at the beginning of every little couplet. So if you just walk through this with me, you ready? The law of the Lord. That's where we start, the law of the Lord. The law, the Torah is the Hebrew word. In other words, the instruction or the, the teaching of the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. It helps us to know um, what, we, uh, what we need to know. Secondly, it says the testimony of the Lord. You see that in, at the end, of, or excuse me, in the middle of verse 7? The testimony of the Lord. The testimony, the word that he uses there is something like a highway sign. Now, um, uh, this week was pretty foggy, right? Especially earlier in the week. Foggy. It, you're driving down a road, right? And you, in the middle of the fog, you see a big orange diamond sign that has a curve to the right. You know the one thing as you're driving down the road and you see a big diamond sign with curve to the right? You know the one thing you don't want to do in that moment? Go straight. Because you'll end up in a wreck. And the Bible says of itself that the Scripture for us is the testimony of the Lord. It's a big sign for us that says, hey, you need to go this way. And how many of us have disobeyed that sign and ended up in a wreck? It is, it is a, a sign, if you will, a highway sign that is both instructive, hey, the road's going to curve to the right, and a warning, don't get in a wreck. The precepts, verse 8, the precepts of the Lord. This is a map that leads you straight to where you need to go. Um, or if you hit a roadblock, it'll help you get around. Yesterday, driving to soccer um, on the other side of town, uh, because apparently I-10 is not wide enough. They were doing construction out there. And the Google lady took me dead into the construction. And I'm like, Google lady, what are you, what are you here for? I mean, really, why are you even in my life? Uh, because she drove me right into the construction, and I'm getting questions from the back seat. Are we going to make it in time? Yes, honey, we're going to make it in time. Are you sure we're going to make? We're going to get through this. And Daddy drives fast. Don't worry. And so, what I needed in that moment was somebody to help me get there, right? Somebody to reroute me, so to speak. And the Google lady was of no help whatsoever. Therefore, um, what what the Bible says about itself, these precepts are are, are their map, so to speak, to get us to where we need to go as best as we possibly can. The middle of verse 8, the commands or commandments of the Lord, there's something to be heard. There's something to be listened to so that we don't become people who just hear the word and then forget what it says. We become doers of the word also. Um, this is all content in, in verse 9. The fear of the Lord. These are all inspiring words to us. These are not simple, uh, uh, just kind of opinions. These are all inspiring words. And so when we say things like, he doesn't want you to merely obey, uh, but he wants you to transform you into the kind of person who normally obeys, there is obedience. Because these are all inspiring words. 
There is obedience that comes with this. And lastly, at the end of verse 9, the rules of the Lord. The rules of the Lord. These are ordinances. These are, this is a statement of judgment of what ought to be or ought to have been. God is saying, this is the way things are supposed to go. This is the content of the Bible. And one of the reasons we need to be saturated with it, because we need instruction, and we need a map, and we need to hear what God wants from us, and then we need to go out and do this. Secondly, we would not only be saturated in its content, but also in its character. This is kind of the middle of each of those couplets. The law of the Lord is perfect, whole, or lacking in nothing and without blemish. And what um, I even said to the new members class this morning, say to you now, it's not that the Bible has all of the knowledge of everything that's ever true in the universe. It's that the Bible has everything that we need to know to live in right relationship with God. Folks, I love Christian books, and I'm grateful for Christian bookstores. But the Bible is what has everything that we need to know and how we ought to live in relationship. The law of the Lord is perfect. It lacks nothing. It is without blemish. It is completely and utterly whole. Secondly, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It, is, it has a, a foundation is secure. Now, if you remember a couple of years ago, if you've been around that long, uh, sometime in the middle of the summer, we had to do foundation work here in the church. We had holes, huge holes dug on like half the building. We couldn't get to, we had to cancel Sunday school. We lost four kids in the holes. I'm not sure where they are and even today. I mean, all of this is true. Why? Because Houston soil isn't designed, apparently, to hold two-story buildings. And so, uh, you know, it kind of shifts, and you get all sorts of stuff that goes with that. We have to repair the foundation. Good news. You base your life on this, you don't have to repair a foundation. You may have wall work to do, or ceiling work to do, or roof work, or AC, or whatever it is in your life, but you won't have to repair the foundation. Jesus said it this way. The one who hears my words and does them, he's like the one who builds his house on a rock. Winds come, storms come, rain falls, floodwaters rise. Guess what? That house stands because it's been founded on the rock. The foundation is certain. It is sure. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. They are, in other words, they are straight. They are unbowed. Um, anybody go to Home Depot and you go to pick out a piece of wood and, and you uh, do the thing where because uh, you see other people do it, you set it on the ground and you kind of look down it and you're like, hey, man. Why is there an S-curve in this piece of wood? That's not good. Why is it warped and twisted? Why does it start one way and end up 90 degrees rotated at the end? That's not a positive thing. The Bible says of itself that it is true. It is right. It is plumb, if you will. There is no bow. There's no warping. There's no um, uh, 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 movement in it, so to speak. It is true. Uh, in, in verse, at the middle, excuse me, the uh, yeah, kind of middle of verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Earlier this week, as I said, really foggy outside. Um, there was like, I don't know, about four seconds where the sun broke through, it seems like, shone. And th- that, that's kind of the picture of the word here. There's this, there's this shining. There's this moment where, uh, where light breaks through. It's, it's pure in that sense. Radiant sunshine in the midst of, of all of this other stuff. In verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. That is, it is, the Word allows us and enables us and brings us to a place where we are ready to reside in God's presence. We are ceremonially, if you will, pure before Him. And then lastly, verse 9, the rules of the Lord are true. They are reliable and they are permanent. There's a whole lot in the world that is not reliable and is not permanent. Have you noticed? 
but the Bible is that. Saturated in its content and its character. Thirdly, its effect. And again, in each of the couplets, just walk back through it, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving or restoring the soul. Does that sound good to anybody? Anybody need something in their life that looks like restoration or revival? It revives the soul. You, it puts life inside of you and then it keeps it there. That's what the law of the Lord does. It makes wise. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. Now, when it says this, we're not, it doesn't say that it makes wise the fool because the Bible assumes that if you're dumb enough to go off and do stupid stuff against it, that you get what you deserve. What we're talking about here is helping ignorant people grow in their knowledge, right? And so uh, it's, not, it's not a matter of correcting the fool, although it certainly is, is up, up for that if it needs. What we're talking about here is that it makes wise the simple. Those who are um, uh, without this kind of knowledge growing to have this kind of knowledge. And so uh, just this week, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Justin Bieber and his new wife Haley were on the cover of Vogue magazine. Anybody with me on this? It made news, man. It made news that they were on the cover because they've been married like 45 minutes or something. So they got to on the, be on the cover of Vogue and they got to talk about their, uh, uh, their relationship in marriage. And so, um, uh, you know, and to their credit, I, and I'd say this seriously, I think God's at work in Justin Bieber's life. And so that's a cool thing to see. Uh, and the way that they were talking about their lives, it was a cool thing to see. Uh, and she says, well, you know, it's not like uh, uh, you wake up every day and think, oh, I'm so in love with you and that kind of thing. But here's the thing on that. Like, we got some folk in here, and there were people in the 830 too, who've been married a lot longer than 45 minutes. You know what I mean? Uh, we had a couple sitting right over there in the 830 service. 64 years they've been married. We got a couple of couples in here. Don and Sharon just celebrated 50, Right? Like, if I'm going to take marriage advice, it's not going to be the cover of Vogue magazine that does it for me. Now, like, I want some folks who've lived it out. They measure it in decades, right? They're running out of fingers to count the number of decades that they have. As good as it was that they said true things about marriage, like, if I'm in a construction, it's not going to be from those who've only been walking in it for a little bit. I'm talking about walking in it for decades. And indeed, this is what, this is what the Bible does for us. It doesn't give us some namby-pamby, hey, I've been in this for just a second. It gives us instruction to make wise those who are simple. It rejoices the heart, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You don't have to engage in obedience with God with gritted teeth. You don't have to do it with this kind of face that says, okay, I'm going to go do this. In fact, quite the opposite. The way of freedom and the way of joy is living in obedience. Jesus said it this way in, in John 8, verse 31, 32. He says this. Um, there are, uh, he was speaking to his disciples. So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, in my word, uh, then you, you, excuse me, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. The way of freedom is the way of Jesus living in obedience to him. Not through gritted teeth. Like freedom is where the joy is. So in, in 1 John chapter 5, it says this way, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. They're not sacks of concrete that you've got to go walking around with going, oh, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it to the end of my life. This is the way of joy. His commandments are not burdensome. 
the burdensome way is living outside of his commandments. It's why obedience is necessary. They rejoice the heart. Middle of verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It gives light to the eyes. C.S. Lewis, the author, um, Chronicles of Narnia and others, said, said this. In a, he was given a lecture uh, called his Theology Poetry at Oxford. And he's, he's talking about how if you start with Christianity, then all the other stuff can fit inside of it. Like you can make sense of science inside the kind of broader sphere of Christianity. But if you start with science, for instance, then you can't fit Christianity in. Like metaphysics doesn't make sense in that kind of way. And so he, he comes down, he argues through this, and the money quote is at the bottom like this, and this uh, at the bottom of the lecture, and this is what he says. He says, I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun. Not only can I see it, but it's also how I see everything else too. By it, I see everything else. So in that sense, like God's, God through His Word is not just giving light to our eyes, but He's helping us to see all of it. He gives light to our eyes. Uh, fifthly, it endures forever. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And then lastly, it is righteous altogether. Verse, at the end of verse 10, excuse me, verse 9, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. There is nothing capricious. There's not a coin flip that God's doing. Hey, today we're going to do this. Tomorrow, who knows? This is God, and it is, it is, he is righteous altogether. This is the effect. And this is the part um, where I wanted to get to, and then we'll talk about some of the practical things. But look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. There's value found in the Word of God. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Sweeter. So it's, there's a value there for sure. But there's also a sweetness to it. And I think God gives us both because... Sometimes we need the sweetness, like that needs to entice us a little bit. And then sometimes we just need to see the value. God, what I'm reading right now is not sweet. What you're asking me to do right now is not sweet, but I know that there's value in it. And so he, he gives us both. And then he says in verse 11, moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So what you have here is the nature of it. We're saturated not only by its character, but also by its nature, that it is more valuable than gold, that it is sweeter than honey. And in Included in that is both the reward as well as the warning. Because sometimes we need the carrot and sometimes we need the stick. Sometimes it's enough for God to entice me with promises, with encouragements, with even commands. And sometimes the only reason, this may not be true of you, okay? So if it's not true of you, just look and say, golly, that pastor, he's pretty imperfect. But Sometimes the only reason I don't sin is because of the warnings that I get from the Bible. Sometimes it's enough to entice, and then sometimes it's to stick. Included in both of those, carrot and stick. We're saturated with the Scripture, its content, its character, its effect, and the nature of it. So, in light of all of that, how then do we go live? So it says, uh, the, the statement, we make apprentices to Jesus, 
excuse me, who live to pursue God. You're not going to know God and pursue God apart from uh, the goodness of the scripture. You're not going to do, it's just not going to be a part of who you are. So in light of that, how do we go live? What do we do? I'll give you these two things. You ready? Number one, open it. What do you mean by that? Well, just practically, Bible before phone. That's hard. And some of you are like, my Bible is on my phone. What do I do now? This is not a judgment, okay? This is not somebody up here going, oh, shame on you for not having a... This is not that at all. I'm saying like, what if we were a people who, before we engaged with the outside world, we, create, we engaged with the one who created the world? Bible before phone. Some of you may have heard it this way. We've talked about it in here before. That you read before you feed. Why? Because we're giving God the priority of our day. How would you go about doing that? You would just open the Bible like you would do it. And we, again, this is an acronym that we've used in here before. So if you've been around, you've seen this before, just hang in here with me. If not, hopefully this will be helpful. Um, it's REAP, R-E-A-P. Starts like this, read, examine, apply, and pray. Okay, so read. How do you start? If you, when you open the Bible and you go to read it, if you're going to be saturated with the Scripture, you do have to open the Bible and you do have to read it, no matter the medium uh, which it is in your hand, but you have to read it. Question, do I have a plan to read it? That's a question worth asking. Well, I don't really have a plan. I don't even know where to start. Start with Mark or John, two Gospels, um, both filled with great stories and great teaching, power-packed, action-packed, and the story kind of clips along. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know how to get started, start with Mark or start with John. Those are great places uh, to start. Uh, and you'll see. And as you read it, keep something in your hand, something to write with, a pencil or a pen. If you could see my Bible right now, you'd see there are underlines and there are block marks and there are questions that I have and there, there are uh, notes that I take, that kind of thing. Listen, if you have a, uh, a written copy of the Scripture, um, guess what? God's not disappointed if you write in the margins. He's just not. So read it. Have a plan to read it. And then as you do so, examine. Hey, what does this mean? Why is God saying this? Why is he doing this? What is this? What's important about this? Like, why, why would, why would, what is this person in the story thinking as he or she is doing this? Like, why, why is this going this way? Read it and then examine it. And then take one thing from your uh, reading, whatever it is, and apply it. Actually go do it. Otherwise, it's, it's just a book. Like you should go try to do some of the things that he said to do. Apply these things. Step out and try to do these things. Apply them. And then the last part is really critical, that you pray. The reason why it's critical is because it gets your eyes off of the page and onto the God who gave us the word. Off of the written word and onto the, to the living word. I'll just say as a pastor, um, as I'm reading, I have, I'm a plan. I've used this for many years where I read. Uh, it takes me, the plan that I'm on takes me through the Old Testament once, New Testament twice, and the book of Psalms twice. And so I get kind of different sections of scripture every day. And uh, uh, as I do it, as I'm reading along, uh, something inevitably takes, takes me here. And as I begin to pray, this is how I pray for you. I'll go, oh, yeah. So-and-so is going through that, and this verse speaks to that. So God, what I'm seeing here, I'm asking you to do there. What I, what I just read here, I'm asking you to be a reality there. But we get our eyes off of this and onto God, and we actually are in relationship with Him. Not in relationship with a book, but in relationship with Him. There's a couple of benefits 
Number one, anybody ever sat down to pray and you're like, dear Lord, thank you so much for giving me today. I'm very grateful for today. Anybody ever had that happen? You know exactly where the drool mark is, you know? If you've got something open in front of you, you're less likely to nod off. I'm not saying you won't nod off. On occasion, sleep is one of the holier things that we can do. I just, like, but you're less likely to. Or this one. So it'll keep you awake. It'll also keep you focused. Dear Lord, thank you for today. I pray that you would do this in so-and-so's life. And please help that person because they're sick and that kind of thing. And i got to get to the grocery store. What all did I need there? I need milk. Deodorant, what was it again? I gotta go write that down. Oh dang. Do we have do we have vanilla pudding? I gotta have that for later. You go check the closet and you know what you don't do? You don't come back to prayer. So having the scripture in front of you will keep you focused as well. Not only kind of keep you alert, but it keeps you focused. And so that when the grocery store thought comes up, you think to yourself, yeah, okay, I can get to that here in a minute. Right now I'm I've got something in front of me that keeps my eyes locked on something. Read, examine, apply, and pray. And so, uh, just give you one, one more thought as we go live, that we would do this. This is a little thing that has been, I think, particularly helpful as, as I've been in conversation with folks who don't know Jesus, that they would try it, and when they try it, they learn to trust it. And as they learn to trust it, then they see the truth of it. So try it, trust it, and see the truth of it. So that, that, that is a, a, a kind of a key equation, and, and this is all based out of John 7, verse 17. Jesus said, if you want to know my teaching is from me or it's from heaven, then you just need to go try to do it, and then you'll know. So I just say to people who don't know Jesus in particular, or if you're struggling in your faith, I said, hey, go try it. Go try to do it. Bless those who curse you. Try that out this week. Pray for those who persecute you. Try that out this week. Don't return evil for evil, but instead return good for evil. Try that. See how it works. Let me know. Because as people begin to step out and they begin to try this, then guess what? They learn that what Jesus has said, it is the better way. It is a trustworthy way. And as they trust it, then they begin to see the beautiful truth of it. But that's not only true for people who don't know Jesus. That's true for people who do. And so people are like, ah, oh, well, I'm kind of staying in my faith. Well, where's, where was kind of your growing edge? Like, where is the place where you feel like God's pushing you? Well, it's here. Well, have you stepped out and tried it? Not yet. You try it. What you'll see is that God's trustworthy in that, and you'll see the truth of it as you begin to live this out. And people come back and push back this way. They go, oh, there's kind of responses that sound like this. Um, well, aren't we better off if we do it our own way? Can I ask this question? Do you really think that's the I mean, genuinely. Either Jesus has the best possible answers to the most important questions of life, or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, why are we listening to him at all? But if he does, man, we need to hear not only what he says, but everything that he says. Everything. So if it's not that, then people say, oh yeah, well, but in the Bible, such and such happened, and da da da. I, I got this actually uh, maybe a week or two ago. Well, you know, um, uh, in the Bible, people had multiple wives and were committing adultery all over the place. Talking about the Old Testament. And to which I responded, yeah, how'd that work out for all of them? Everybody went home happy, right? It was like a rom-com or something, right? I mean, no? 
No, it worked out terrible for everybody. The overwhelming theme is, hey, if you do it God's way, it works out a lot better. If you try it your own way, things get really bad really fast. Um, and then some people say, well, culture has kind of moved on. Shouldn't we move on too? And my response to that goes something like this. At one point, we thought the world was flat. You remember that, right? Meaning, meaning, let's not assume that we've got it all figured out right this second. Like, let's assume that, I mean, there may be something or someone wiser than us. There's a reason why we quote people who are long gone and their truth has remained, because it's still true. Try it. And as you try it, you will learn to trust it. And as you trust it, you'll learn to see the truth of it. So I give that to you to say this. Church family, this week at some point, you'll get squeezed. This point at some point, somebody's going to set you out. It'll be off drying. <laughs> um, what, what will remain? Are you saturated with the Scripture such that People can see there's a difference in you. People can, again, smell the aroma that there's something different in you. Last warning, and I'm done. The enemy would like for nothing better than for you to say, okay, you know what? I get it. I'm going to spend time every day in the Bible this week. And so you open it on day one, that's pretty good. Open it on day two, pretty good. Open it on day three, dry as dust. And the enemy get in your ear and go, hey, listen, told you. Told you it wasn't worth it. Listen, you don't have to get lost in the Levitical sacrificial codes, okay? Like, you don't have to go there to be a good Christian or anything like that. I'm telling you that now. Me would want to discourage you in some way. Don't let him. It is not a one-and-done thing that shapes your soul. It is the consistency of being in the Word, of being saturated in the Word. You don't just dip the sponge in once. You let it soak. Be in the Word this week, every day. Open it. Read, examine, apply, and pray. And then go live it out, and you'll find that it is a trustworthy word, and it is true all the time. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll have just a second to respond. Uh, Lord, thanks for your word this morning. I, I do pray that, um, God, there would be something uh, that is said this morning that lands, in particular, in a kind of application sort of way on uh, the folks who've heard this morning. Something that really settles on them. Uh, some of it, it is a particular challenge. Some of it's, it's something else. But God, just, I pray, whatever it is, settle. So I commit all of them to you. I ask on their behalf that by your Spirit, you would protect them this week. You'd give them sweet time in the Word this week. That encourages them toward it. If you've not built that discipline in, Father, that you would help them to build that discipline into their lives. Being people saturated with the Scripture. Lord, we pray now in Jesus' name and ask for your help. Amen.